0: Today's scripture comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Please join me in a time of prayer. God, we love you. We thank you that you are our Heavenly Father who loves us. And thank you that you have been so good to us. And we praise you for your faithfulness. God, as we delve into this passage together, we ask for your mercies. Illumine our hearts and minds through your spirit that we may not only understand your word, but help us to be able to apply uh, this passage into our lives for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Since this is my farewell sermon as pastor of NCF, I thought a lot about what can I possibly share as Shine and I get ready to transition out of NCF. Um, But after praying, this passage came to my mind, and in light of the exciting gospel partnership that we will have together for years to come, I thought it would be fitting for me to share from this passage And I really pray and hope that as we consider these words written by Apostle Paul, that it will not only encourage you, but also it will make you even more excited about the gospel partnership that we will have together in years to come. Now, after personally encountering God on the road to Damascus, Paul's life was never the same again. He became God's instrument through the transforming power of the gospel. And from that point onward, Paul was a man on fire for God, and Paul was a man on mission. As you know, he literally laid down his life for this mission. And what was this mission? It was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. But this mission wasn't something that Paul can finish by himself. God had to bless the work of his hands. And in addition This mission's work simply would not be possible without the help and support of faithful men and women who partner with him prayerfully and financially. And as we delve into this passage together this morning, I would like for us to consider three things. Point point number one, Paul's love for the Philippians. Point number two, gospel partnership through financial support. Point number three, gospel partnership through prayer. Let's jump into the first point Paul's love for the philippians the epistle to the philippians is a heartfelt letter written by apostle paul to his beloved church in philippi and to his beloved brothers and sisters in christ i want you to turn with me to philippians chapter 1 verses 3 to 8 and notice how he begins this epistle i thank my god in all my remembrance of you Always in every prayer of mine for you, may all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness and how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. As you can see, nothing but deep affections and appreciation for the Christians at Philippi. And unlike uh, Galatians and Ephesians, which were written to address doctrinal issues that have been affecting those churches, Philippians was written to demonstrate and express Paul's love and appreciation and thankfulness for the men and women who have blessed him, encouraged him, partnered with him through finance and prayers. And this church is very special to Paul. Do you know why? It was the very first church that Paul planted in Europe. Now, after being called by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, Paul remained faithful to this very important task. He laid down his own life in order to accomplish and fulfill this God-given calling as God's chosen instrument. Now, by God's grace, Paul was able to complete three missionary journeys from 46 AD until 57 AD, and, and they're recorded in the book of Acts. Now, as Paul was getting ready for his second missionary journey, he initially wanted to revisit some of the churches that he had planted during his first missionary journey in order to encourage them, in order to strengthen those brothers and sisters in Christ. However, God had different plans for Paul. To help you better understand the context, I would like for us to read Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 16 um, to 12 together. That's a long passage, but please read along with me. Now, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and revisit uh, the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take, them, uh, take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had, had not gone with them to the work. And there was a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, a son of the Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on their way uh, through the cities, and they delivered uh, to them for observance and the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and uh, and, and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, set, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to um, Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and the Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. As you can see, as Paul was getting ready to begin his second missionary journey, he initially wanted to revisit some of the churches that he had initially planted in Asia Minor. But God had different plans for Paul. God providentially kept Paul from going back to Asia Minor, and God providentially redirected Paul's footsteps, and God providentially led Paul to Macedonia and directly to Philippi. And as soon as he gets there, he meets a woman named Lydia, Divine Appointment. And Lydia ends up becoming one of the founding members of this church who will continue to support and partner with Paul until the end. And it did help because at that time, Lydia was a very wealthy businesswoman. So she was able to finance and support Paul's ministry and also help start this church at philippi now why was paul so thankful for this church for these brothers and sisters at philippi it's because of their gospel partnership as we will take a closer look now which leads to me to my next two points gospel partnership through financial support and also gospel partnership through prayer let's turn to verse 10 and onward i rejoice in the lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me The more and more Paul thinks about these brothers and sisters at Philippi, he's moved to tears. He deeply appreciates these brothers and sisters in Christ. And throughout the course of his life in ministry, Paul received the most financial support from the Philippians, which enabled him to continue his gospel ministry to the Gentiles. Without their generosity and without their gospel partnership and support, Paul would not be able to continue his ministry to the Gentiles. So God stirred the hearts of these Philippian brothers and sisters in Christ to support and partner with Paul. And for that reason alone, Paul was very, very thankful and deeply appreciative of this gospel partnership. In his book, Early Christian Mission, Akar Schnabel makes the following observation about the total distance that Paul traveled for the sake of the gospel as a missionary. And and I quote, Paul traveled about 15,500 miles, including both land and sea travel, during 35 years of his ministry. And probably, and this is astounding, 8,700 miles were traveled on foot. Let that sink in for a little bit. That's the type of sacrifice that he made in order to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And as you can see, Paul was a traveling machine. But it's not like he had airplanes available during those days. He walked, and he traveled often by foot and by boat. But that did not keep him from fulfilling and accomplishing the the mission that God had given him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Stanford University unveiled a a website called Orbis, and this is a site that lets you calculate the time and cost required to travel by road or ship around the Roman world in AD 200. And this is fascinating, and I want to share these statistics with you because Apostle Paul went on three missionary journeys from AD 46 to 57, traveling around much of Asia Minor and Greece. And in 60, also, he was taken to Rome. But according to this website, Orbis, which allows um, us to calculate how long these journeys would have taken in pure, in pure travel time and how much it would have taken, and this is the number that, that it comes out to. So first journey, he traveled more than 1,500 miles. Second journey, more than 3,000 miles. Third journey, more than 3,300 miles. But based on these, uh, this chart and these numbers and the calculations provided this website, Paul would have needed more than 1,000 denarii to make these missionary journeys, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles in that part of the world. According to the Bible, 100 denarii is about four months' wages. So if you do the math, 1,000 denarii would have been more than three years' worth of salary. And during those days, that was a lot of money. But Paul was able to go because brothers and sisters in Christ, he, they gave. And through, the, through their generosity, Paul was able to not just continue, but finish the mission that God had given to him. But what's my point here? The point is God provided for Paul through the generosity of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially through the church at Philippi. And Paul was able to continue this, these missionary journeys and continue to remain faithful until the end because God empowered him because the one who called him was with him every step of the way and he did empower him with courage and boldness to preach the gospel wherever he went faithfully but at the same time so that he could go. God also raised up an army of prayer warriors and financial supporters for Paul who stuck with him until the end. Paul's ministry was funded and sustained through the faithful and sacrificial giving of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, his faithful gospel partners. So the more and more Paul thinks about these gospel partners, and especially these beloved brothers and sisters in Philippi, he is moved to tears. Verse 15, and You Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. These brothers and sisters in faith in the city of Philippi, they were with Paul from the very beginning. How special is that? So Paul shares this very special bond with these brothers and sisters at Philippi. And they were generous. But here's the thing. They weren't wealthy. They weren't wealthy. They did not give out of abundance. But whenever there was an opportunity for them to partner with Paul, they give. And this is mentioned in 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 9. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, that he should, he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnest of others that, you, that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor." so that by his poverty you might become rich. As he's writing this letter to the believers in Corinth, Paul is referring to the Philippians here and their generosity. But as as we can see from this passage, I mean, during Paul's visit, something remarkable took place here. The Christians in Macedonia, I mean, Paul was going around trying to collect funds uh, so that he can continue to um, bless the churches back in Jerusalem because they were less fortunate. The Gentile churches were more wealthy, so Paul was going around. But in the case of the the church in Philippi, they weren't wealthy. They were actually struggling by the time Paul got there. I mean, the words extreme poverty in Greek actually means rock-bottom poverty. They had nothing. But interesting, isn't it? Even though they didn't have much, they still managed to give willingly, joyfully, sacrificially, and generously. I want to draw your attention to the fact that here, they're not begging to receive money. They're begging to actually give money. They're telling Paul, please take our funds and use it for your kingdom work. And how is, is this even possible? The key to understanding is the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, as Paul reminds us here. To help us better understand, I would like to quote Pastor John Piper as he comments on the generosity of the Macedonians, the church of Philippi. When poverty stricken Macedonians beg Paul for the privilege of giving money to, uh, help to other uh, poor saints, we may assume that this is uh, what they want to do, not just they ought to do but have to do, but really long to do. It is their joy, an extension of their joy in God. To be sure, they are denying themselves whatever pleasures and comforts uh, they could have from the money uh, they give away, but the joy of extending God's grace to others is far better reward than anything money could buy. It is the overflow of joy in God which gladly meets the needs of others. They understood the grace of God. They experienced the grace of God. What it is that they have been given. What it is that they have received through faith in Jesus Christ. And that compelled them to give willingly, lovingly, joyfully, generously, sacrificially. And the key to understanding this type of radical generosity is revealed in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I mean, here Paul sums up the gospel for us in verse 9. And in doing so, he helps us to see and understand radical generosity in light of God's extravagant self-giving in Jesus Christ. Richard Baucom, a New Testament scholar, writes the following words. The Greek word is charis, and it's actually one of those Greek words that were rather unremarkable words in their ordinary use, but which, er, but which early Christians made into ways of saying some very distinctly Christian things. Another word like that, uh, another word like that is, uh, is the Greek word agape, which is the uh, actual, usual word in the New Testament for love. In Greek, it was rather colorless, ra- rarely used word, But because Christians wanted to say something new and different about love, they took over this word that didn't already have any very important meaning and made it into a very important word by filling it with the meaning of the love that they had discovered in Jesus Christ, in the gospel uh, of God's unexpected love for us. Charis was a little like that. It becomes a central word for saying what Christians had to say uh, that was new and remarkable. Charis, grace, means basically giving. Not so much gift in the sense of the thing that is given, more giving in the sense of the act of giving. Paul uses it to mean God's act of generous self-giving to us that is the story of Jesus. Grace isn't a quality of God, an attitude, or disposition. It's what God does. It's his act of generous giving. Grace is God being unimaginably generous in giving us himself in Jesus Christ. Grace is God's love in self-sacrificing action for us. And on the cross, we see God's extravagant grace being fully displayed and revealed. And another way of looking at this is God's extravagant self-giving in Jesus Christ. The Christians at Philippi, these brothers and sisters who love Paul, even though they had nothing, they understood this. And the beauty of gospel, God's extravagant self-giving in Jesus Christ, deeply moved and compelled them to partner with Paul willingly, joyfully, generously, and sacrificially. And for for that reason, Paul was very thankful and deeply appreciative of their generosity. As you know, Shine and I were getting ready and preparing for full-time missions work in the Philippines. And this is a ministry that Shine's parents first began 25 years ago. A lot of sacrifice, tears, and blood and sweat went into this ministry. We're just humbled and privileged to be able to continue the work that God first began through Shine's parents more than 25 years ago. And as we continue to prepare, and as we continue to fundraise, You know, there's so much to consider, so much to plan, and so much to prepare in light of all that is happening um, in us and around us. But we are thankful that, that God is already raising up an army of prayer supporters and financial supporters for us. And it is humbling, and it's been really encouraging that God is already putting together an army will go with us, who will enable us to go and continue this mission's work in that part of the world. And we do humbly ask for your support, and we do humbly ask for your prayers. And if you would like to stay connected with us, and as we would like to do the same for you, we did start a a new blog. So if you like to, to follow us in our, in our journey, and if you like to uh, learn how you can pray for us, um, please subscribe and, and follow along because we will be using this platform to share uh, important updates and prayer requests. Uh, but one of the ways that you can really partner with us is through financial support. Now, with that in mind, let's jump to verse 17 and onward. And here Paul writes, not that I seek the gift, But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received the full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my my God will supply uh, every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here, I want to draw your attention to verse 17. What is this fruit that increases to your credit? What is Paul talking about here? You know, Paul is here helping the, the Christians at Philippi understand and helping them to see the big picture. That through their giving, that they're, they're not just merely supplying and meeting Paul's personal needs, but it's so much more than that. That they're through their generosity allowing Paul to continue his ministry for the sake of God's kingdom and his glory, and that their generosity is allowing Paul to, to go and continue this mission's work. But increasing to their credit, what is Paul talking about here? Here, Paul is talking about this thanks to your financial stewardship. Faithful financial stewardship, I am able to continue in ministry. But not only that, I'm so encouraged, as he tells them, that that you are investing in things that will have eternal significance. Things that will last forever. Things that will result in spiritual eternal dividends. Kingdom work. The kingdom of God. Raising up more of God's people. And for that reason, Paul encourages them. Thank you so much for your gospel partnership. It's not just about you meeting my needs, but this is what's happening in God's kingdom, and this is what's happening. And for you, and God is deeply pleased because of this gospel partnership. You know, for those of you who already came forward in faith and decided to partner with us, we are deeply humbled and encouraged. Because as of now, we have nothing to show forth except the ministry that Shine's parents have done for the past 25 years. We're not even there yet. We have a vision, and we, we have a good idea of what we would like to do there as we continue their ministry, but as of now, we have nothing to show. And that's one of the reasons why this first group of supporters that God is raising up, we are deeply encouraged by that. And just want to say thank you so much for giving in faith. And may God continue to bless you beyond measure as you continue to partner with us. But also, may God continue to challenge and stretch you to to continue to be faithful with your resources so that you can also be a blessing here. And for those of you who uh, have yet to prayerfully consider it, I just wanted to bring it to your attention. And please, please pray. And if the Lord moves your heart. I really uh, humbly ask that you respond in faith and partner with us for the sake of his kingdom so that more people in that part of the world have a chance to hear the gospel who otherwise would not be able to. Now, John Piper writes the following in order to, to challenge us to be faithful stewards and to live a life of radical generosity. And I quote, there are three levels of how to live with things. Number one, you can steal to get. Two, or you can work to get, or three, or you can work to get in order to give. Too many professing Christians live on level two. Almost all the forces of our culture urges us to live on level two, but the Bible pushes us relentlessly to level three. The issue is not how much a person makes. Big industry and big salaries are a fact of our times, and they are not, they're not—they're not necessarily evil. The evil is in this being deceived into thinking a six digit salary must be accompanied by a six digit lifestyle. God has made us to be conduits of his grace. The danger is in thinking the conduit should be lined with gold. It shouldn't. Copper will do. Copper can carry unbelievable riches to others. God is not glorified when we keep for ourselves, no matter how thankfully. The point is this enough for us, abundance for others. As Oswald J. Smith reminds us, you know, we talk of the second coming of Jesus Christ, but let's not forget this the fact that half of the world has never heard of the first coming of Jesus Christ. The Mungyan's indigenous people that Shine's parents have been faithfully ministering to in Occidental Mindoro in that part of the Philippines, some of them still have yet to hear the gospel. And when you do partner with us and enable us to go in the kingdom or in that part of the world, you're bringing the gospel to them. And I pray that that will bring you joy. Fill your heart with the joy of extending this gospel invitation to people who would otherwise not be able to hear it ever. And I want to continue to encourage you to, to use the blessings, the resources that God has given you individually and also as a church so that we can continue to be a blessing as a church in New York City, but also in other parts of the world, so that more people will continue to hear gospel and have an opportunity to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Now, another way you can partner with us is through prayer. Turn to Philippians chapter one, verses nineteen to 20, 26. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with the full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I am to live in the flesh that means fruitful labor for me, but yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have the ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Did you know that Paul is writing this letter from prison towards the end of his life? And Paul is humbly asking them to pray for him, asking them to intercede on his behalf. And it is true that Paul's ministry was sustained through the faithful giving of brothers and sisters in Christ, but it was also sustained through faithful prayers of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So one of the ways that you can partner with us is through prayer You know, ever since we started getting ready um, for our upcoming transition, and especially, especially like this past several weeks, it's been really chaotic and disorienting and intense uh, for my family. Um, so on our way back from Virginia, we visited our parents and just and, and other family. But on our way back, our car broke down in the middle of the highway. <laughs> and so we were stranded and our phone batteries were dying. We didn't have food uh, but thankfully, kids were okay. They were having a blast, actually, by God's grace. And I remember telling uh, Maya, um, Maya, our car broke down, so we have to wait for the tow truck now. And so we waited close to two hours. But in, a, in the midst of all that, um, Maya lived up this prayer. It's like, God, give us a new car, right? Childlike faith, right? Because for her, she doesn't know what it feels like to doubt. God, but by God's grace, uh, uh, he sent one of my uh, friends from Philly who came to come get us. And Totra came, and then we dropped off the car at the local dealership. And by God's grace, which something that I did not know about the, the warranty of our car, it got extended, so we ended up getting a new engine out of it, right? So praise God for that. But but it was a long ordeal because I had to go back to, to Delaware to bring the car back. Um, so we were good. We're like, "Wow, God provides," and we're so thankful. But like the following week, we got into an accident, another accident. And I was driving, and this guy just cut this guy just cut me off by making a sudden U-turn. So trying to 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 avoid him, I swerved and ended up hitting a parked car. And Ava was pretty shaken up. I was pretty shaken up, and I was just upset because he just left. And so I had to bring the car back to the shop, which took away a lot of time that I didn't need to spend away from ministry and missions prep. And I did get the car back, but two days ago, car got hit again (laughs) in the parking lot. Someone scraped our car. So I remember coming out to that after sermon prepping, and I'm just like laughing at it. It's like, ha, like the enemy is really trying to discourage us right now and throw obstacles our way. And crazy thing is, this This did not happen um, for the past almost four years in Europe. but all of a sudden, as we are getting ready to go to Boston to prepare for full-time missions, this happens back to back to back to back. So we ask for prayers, spiritual protection. We covet your prayers. And people have been encouraging us, God must have something really great and exciting for you guys in the Philippines, for the enemy to really (laughs) attack you guys like this. And so we're thankful for the people who have already been praying for us. And so we humbly ask for your prayers. And that's how you can partner with us. And that's how you can continue to be a blessing to me and my family as we transition out to the Philippines. You know, next Sunday, we will be celebrating our second anniversary as a church. And God has been so faithful. I mean, this year went really fast for me, but looking back, God has been so faithful, not just to my family, but to NCF and next year, in year 2020, and you know, I'm deeply saddened that I'll be able to personally witness how God powerfully uses every single one of you guys in this church to make an impact in this city and also in other parts of the world. As Bob Goff Reminds us following Jesus will cost each of us something different. Some are called to go, some are called to stay. Different places, but still the same calling and mission. Different contexts, but still the same calling and mission. God is calling us to go to the Philippines, and we're going to remain faithful to that calling. But God is calling you to stay here. And we are all going after the same thing, but in different places. So with that in mind, my challenge to you guys as NCF in year 2020 and beyond, and even in the upcoming years, I really pray and hope that you will continue to remain faithful to the calling that God has given to you guys individually, but also corporately as a church. Wherever you are, that is your mission field. And as you remember that, may you remain faithful to the calling. And we look forward to this exciting gospel partnership that will continue to develop and unfold. And as we share exciting updates from from the other part of the world, that you will continue to to pray for us, that you will continue to um, partner with us, ultimately for the sake of his glory and his Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And God, I entrust this church that I've learned to love so much into your hands. May you continue to work powerfully um, in and through this church. May you continue to be glorified and through this church, Lord, and wherever we may be in the upcoming years, may we never ever forget of the calling that you have given to each and one of us, and may we, be, remain, may we remain faithful to that calling, and th- in the place that you've called us to be, that we will lay down our lives and use the funds and the resources that you've given us wisely and faithfully for the sake of fulfilling the great commission, making more people into your disciples and calling them um, and pointing them to be able to see the same beauty that we have already seen through our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. In His precious name we pray. Amen.